This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Welcome to the Rock State of Mind as part of the Axum Quadruple Treble Charity Weekend. My name is Stephen Mullen and I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Kelly, the St Rock's manager, Gordon Hammond, honorary president, and Tam Fife, St Rock's legend. We're all regular attendees at St Rock at Rock Talk, one of the beneficiaries of this magnificent event organised by the Axum team. Our show has been kindly sponsored by Roddy Owens, managing director of Romec. He's sponsoring the show in memory of his father-in-law, ex-candy player, Charlie Johnson. Welcome to the show, guys. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be discussing St Rocks, Celtic and Rock Talk. There will be a lot of people watching and listening. So Tam, could you please tell people about where James McGrory Park is situated in Glasgow and the communities we serve? So, first, probably the first thing to say is for society the Celtic crowd, that's Jim and McGrory Park, is probably two and a half miles directly north of Celtic Park and on the Royston Road. And the area, Royston Road corridor would cover would be Royston, Royston Hill, Germiston, Black Hill, and Provinville. That would be the main areas in the, the corridor. So. Would you include the town head in that? Uh, I would include the, yeah, I would include town head, but I mean town head maybe 50, 60 years ago when it's 20,000 people was obviously part of our, uh, today we're kind of caught off because of the motorway, the motorway cuts us off, motorway one side, one side it was a canal and before that the other side is the railway, the main line that used to come out of a cannon street station, so that's why it's called the corridor running up, but some people might even call it Forgotten Zone because... The reason why I'm asking that, Tom, is because obviously St Rock's Parish was formed as an overspill of St Mungo's. That's right, it's formed you know, as a mission, formed as a mission, the actual St Rock's Parish opens in 1907, so it was a, a, a mission from St Mungo's, which dates back to the 1850s. Uh, a lot of our support, I was looking up some in the, the internet the other night there and realised that one of my relatives, a great great uncles, had actually lived in Middleton Place, which would run from where roughly Gangad Chippy runs up, and it was a straight, straight line up the hill, and that was Middleton Place, and they lived there in 1855. So you can see that. I link a lot of the support get right back into time. You know. so, so just to give the, the viewers a wee thing, how would you describe the areas? Would you say they're socially deprived areas, well, Colin? I think it goes back. My father my father remembered getting into the area in the nineteen twenties, playing for the Boys Guild and saying, you know, he, he came for the Gorbals and he, you know, just it was the Gorbals was like Newton Melms compared to the Gang It was so poor. In the 1920s, it was that bad that they actually, the first redevelopment in the city from the council happened in the Gangad. And Gangad Square is the first council house, which is still there to this day. That's 1919, so that's the first ruse. It was so bad that the council had no option but the end of the story. The reason why I'm saying that is because I think they're socially deprived and we might be poor in wealth. I think we're rich in spirit, Tommy, rich. generosity of spirit. And I'll give an example of that. And an incident that happened in Scotland with was the, the Dumblain case. And I remember at the time that the Gangad people had a fundraiser and they raised £3,000. And I thought, the Gangad raised £3,000, one of the poorest areas of Scotland, to give to the richest part. You know, and that kind of summed up to be the Gangad. Right, so I just hope that the viewers just have a wee idea about where we're located. So I'm going to go on to yourself now, Gordon. What's your thoughts on the similarities between St Rocks and Celtic, even down to how both clubs were formed? But if I did say to you earlier, you can't comment on your disdain for the person who runs St Rocks and Celtic. Because <laughs> 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 that's a different conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I was born in 1945 in Germison, three streets away from 
the intro of Mill Park. And to me, St Rocks and Celtic are one and the same. The similarities are remarkable. In 1888, it was Borough of Alford in St Mary's Parish that started Celtic. Fast forward to 1920, in St Rocks Parish in the Garden Guard, it was Father Lawton who formed St Rocks. There's similarities there. Both of them wear green and white, white strips. And I'm delighted to say, for the beginning, both clubs were open to all, all comers. And both, both have been touched by tragedy on the park. But, but players getting injuries and, uh, and dying as a result of that. John Thompson, 1931 versus Rangers. And Pat Fagan in a Scottish Cup tie again Blair Gowrie in 1980 sustained an injury which he later died from. The See Big Pat Gordon, roughly about 40 years ago just now, wasn't it? Big Pat died on yes. Christmas Eve, eh? Christmas Eve, aye. I went to, actually went to visit him on Christmas Eve and I couldn't get in. It was only family that could get in. Yeah. He de- deteriorated and I couldn't get in. And the next day, Tommy Mulvey, the match secretary, came to my house and told me he'd passed away. That was, it was an injury during the game again, Blair Gowrie, a Scottish Cup tie. Wally Harvey, who's now the manager of Rutherglen Glencairn, was, yep. was in goal for St Rocks and a big high cross came in and he went up and got it, but here he landed in top of the park. Pat was a relative of mine, you know, so yeah. he was a great, great player as Aye. well as a nice, nice man. Aye. Sorry for interrupting, Aye. so if you can go back to some of the similarities between the clubs, it would be great. Well, both clubs, in my considered opinions, were both outsiders in, in, the, in the leagues we play in. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. But everybody at St Rocks, we are proud of our heritage and where we came from, and we're proud of who, who we are. Well, what about the story that's told by Sir Robert Kelly to Peter Flynn, who's <laughs> ill just now, Peter, hope he gets better? Yes. About if as long as I sell it, there'll be a St Rocks. Will you t- a testament to that, Gordon, or no, is it I heard, a hearsay story? A hearsay story. I believe it's a gas bill, and they were struggling to pay it. I get as I had a gas electricity bill and they were struggling to pay it and Celtic paid it and Sir Robert Kelly said as long as he was there there was always be a St Rocks and that was a true story Peter Flynn well, Peter Flynn's a lovely man and there'd be no need for Peter to put on a story Aye. or anything Aye. what about the actual formation is that did, did that come about for St Rocks as a result of a boys guild tournament well is it and it, they were in a Paris at that time Inter-Paris and all the different boys old and all that played and they, they formed a junior team that was in 1920 and then the following season 1921 actually the only time we won the junior cup we beat Cowan and Rangers Jimmy McGrory scored a goal you were probably at that meeting Tom what's your recollections of that? <laughs> 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 have, you, have, you, have you anything to add to that Tom? Uh, no well, I should point that Peter Flynn told a story about in 1944 Second World War and the Junior Cup was on the go and St Rocks played in Stolcoats. So down to Stolcoats, his father says, we'll go down to Stolcoats. And Peter Flynn was 10 years of age. He says, that's okay, we watched the game, we came out of the game and we get back to the train. And it's whatever time it is, I'd say four o'clock in the afternoon, he's on this train and they're heading back to Glasgow. And it's 1944. What's happening in 44 is D-Day, and the train is sidelined into a sidings. 
And he arrived back at his mother. He came about midnight. They obviously didn't have a phone in the house. And she went to the police because they'd went to his son and father had went to see the game. And they went, she went to the police and the police says, well, did he go anywhere? She says, well, they went to decent rocks playing salt court. He says, they're probably in a sign somewhere in a field in Ayrshire. <laughs> that was a, that was a story. yourself, Paul, through your dad, Harry, God rest him, as he gave you any stories about that earlier times. I think, I think, the, I think the thing for my family, Stephen, was that always that connection, like... My dad, Harry, wasn't he the best player? He had four brothers and they were all better players. And his brother, Peter, you know, dabbled with St. Rocks, like always trying to get me sign and he'd come in and play a game and then go away and all of these things. And, and they never, and my uncle Billy at, at one point was uh, in the same situation, you know, it was always, oh, you, because, because if you lived in the areas that, that Tom had mentioned earlier, if you were for the Grand Guard or Black Hill or whatever, your aspiration was to play for the Rock. There's absolutely no, there's no question about that so you know that was from a very young age from you know probably six seven years of age I was arriving to watch uh, to watch the rock on the black ash with my dad uh, invariably on, the occasion, on occasion my uncle would be playing other times he'd be standing beside us because he'd went away and play for somebody else it was never really consistent but it was always that it was always that love and connection with the club that's, that's, that's kind of never gone away Stephen you know it's never uh, you know it, it, it was certainly still for me at, at 14, 15, 16, it was still an aspiration for me to play for the club at, at that time. You know, when people are saying, uh, oh, you can go and play, you know, there's potential to maybe hook up with a professional club and this and that. For me, it was still nothing kind of nothing matched the magic of the, the kind of connection with the candy you know that was the, that was the thing you know well that leads, leads us seamlessly on to the next part of it you're back for your second spell in Charles after 25 years Paul you won a league title in 1995 as a very young manager and probably only a few years older than the players what's the difference between players now and then does your experience help now? And finally, does the pressure involved affect your mental health? As we've heard Neil Lennon and Lee Griffiths admit to having such issues. Yeah. I, I might be taking them in some sort of reverse order, actually, Stephen. Uh, the, the mental health issue is... is, is uh, sport. Sport's a passionate thing, you know. Uh, and certainly football... I'm very passionate about football. I'm still very passionate about St Rock's. So, so yeah, that, you know... We've had the conversation, and I've, I've told the guys on a Sunday. I don't normally sleep very well on a Friday night. You know, maybe lucky if I got a couple of hours sleeping on a Friday night when I'm mulling over what's going to happen on the Saturday. And even here today, there's part of me still tuned into what was happening later on this afternoon. As a, you know, uh, so I, I, I can see where it, it, it can affect mental health quite quite easily. Can affect it. Can, it can overwhelm you at times. It certainly can, and. You know, depending on uh, depending on the uh, what would just the, the status of the game, the you know the the status of the club at any particular time. You know, people talk about pressure and relegation. There's also pressure in trying to win things if you're at the top end and, and all of these things. So, so there is always pressure. It's a different type of thing from some of the pressures families and other people have had to experience in the last year, but it's still there. And and I, I can very much see where it would uh, would affect your mental health and could affect your mental health. I hope that I manage it uh, well. 
Uh, in terms of the situation around the experience, what I'm finding really interesting is obviously my son's at the side of the park with me, along with Ryan McStay. Ryan, Ryan's had a very good career, uh, they're, but they're both very young in managing terms. When I, when I first managed St Rocks, I was uh, actually appointed when I was 29, so I was appointed as a kind of player manager. Uh, but I broke my leg in the second game of the season or something like that, so I never really took part in the season that we won the championship. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we've still got league medals, Paul. That's right, absolutely, Stephen, absolutely. But it's interesting to watch uh, Ryan and Kevin at the side of the park sometimes because I think, yeah, I used to do that. I don't think we need to do that. So, so experience is an important thing. Experience is an important thing. I think uh, we we'll look at the last game that we played down at uh, Craig Mark. Uh, we were one 0 up after twenty six minutes, and we got a man sent off. And there was this general melee at the side of the park. What are we going to do? What are we going? And and I, you know, twenty years ago, I would have been part of that. But my view was just calm down, guys. Just calm down. Let's go over the next five minutes, and then we'll make some decisions about how we change things. Whereas, whereas I'd have been doing what Kevin and Ryan are doing, which was trying to be and say, right, what are we going to change? How are we going to, you know? So I think I certainly think I've become a calmer person through the as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more this week on the marketers report Patrizio Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on building trust Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Experience, through the experience of management. What do you think of the question that Mourinho would say that Years ago, when we went into Chelsea, guys like Lampard and John Terry, a load of our young in age, they were men. Well, now he's saying he's become the cross guys at 27, 28, who are still children. Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely, 100%. There's a. Yeah, there, there, there is clearly a difference. There's a clearly a difference in attitude and approach to the game from younger players today. Than, than there was 25 years ago as I say I was still young enough to play there were guys in the team like John Logan and that the captain who were older than me you know and, and but that didn't bother me it's a, it's a bit of a point as you say if you take on the responsibility then you take it on 100% and you deal with it and, and we had our ups and downs you know I brought in an assistant manager Jerry McCoy and Jerry had a great career at Hearts and Falkirk and Partick Thistle and all these places I, Jerry was four or five years older than me but you know over the course of that season you, Jerry and I had to go toe to toe sometimes you know so so you, you, but you take that on you take that on now players kind of shy away from that and I'm not saying I'm not saying that the, the, the dressing room needs to have that machismo but it certainly needs to have a maturity that the, the sometimes is missing that's not there as much as it was in the past well, what do you think because even I've played junior football the two guys have watched it 25 years ago was it still as hard as what it was in the 80s and now you know you hear junior players screaming when they've just touched them is that just developed <clears throat> into our game or is that just something we need to accept I, I think unfortunately it's developed into the game and I think that we're we're we're, we're with a generation now who see and hear everything 
on the pitch and on the telly and through the PlayStation. So for me, for me, we've now got centre half squealing for fouls and all that and rolling about. And for me, that's that's a signal. That's a very negative signal about the game. You know, it used to be tricky wingers got a bit of abuse, but. They stood up and they took it. And one of the things of being a good winger is you've got to be gutsy. Even today, you know, you've got to have a bit of guts about you because you know when you go past some people, then they're going to they're going to foul you. Uh, but as I say, you get even centre halves now going up for headers and squealing that somebody's elbowed them or somebody's bumped into them. I don't think that's a positive thing for the game at all. Because one of the games I played in, and Big Yogi talks about it, and he does all these sort of podcasts with everybody else. We were playing against you and Green Star. Yogi's a young man and the cat's playing beside me it's towsy big Yogi's about but your boy but he's only young and cat says see you next week and he's like I'm going through I'm going to stop him 12 minutes later he's stretched with a broken leg the cat just gave him a dull you aye, aye, absolutely but, but, but that wouldn't happen now wouldn't it? You know, oh no no no, no that much no I think the other thing is you've got to remember with guys like Cads and Doctor at, at Bayliston and guys like that these were guys that that was an art for him yeah you know, actually, really, you know, practically maiming you was an art, was an art for him. You know, uh, interestingly, interestingly, when when Cards was at Pollock, the, the guy for me at, at St Rocks was was Budgie Craig. You know, Cards came up against for me came up against Robert, and it was kind of like my reputation will be enough here. But Robert Craig was for me was just an absolute monster on the park. You know, and reputations never meant anything. You know. And you don't see that. You don't see any of that sort of stuff. I think the game, there are times, clearly, in the past, there are times when there's too much machismo and too much macho madness. But I think the game misses some of it sometimes now. So if we're going through that, time and we've had this 25-year period with Paul, what do you think the changes that have been introduced in St Rocks in the last few years, including our community engagement? And what's your thoughts on it, Gordon? So we'll start with you, Tam. Well, I think you go from, say, 20 or 30, 20 or 30 supporters uh, to, to two or three hundred. Uh, I think younger people have come in. Well, for whatever reason, using social media has obviously helped. And so and a bit of interaction with the local community regarding whether it be food banks or Christmas or Joy Appeal. Or, so uh, I've got a lot of respect. I think really a lot stems with... What you see, Andy Cameron, no disrespect to the present manager, but the use of social media and uh, your good self, of course. And uh, I think it's uh, turned the club massively around. And I think but do you think the two of them have got to go hand in hand, Tom? Do you think if you just had the football and it was doing well, you wouldn't have the same appeal to the community, or if you're just doing community work and you didn't have the football team? I, th- I think, I think, I think about there's a kind of element they can bounce off each other, like a match there, you know. I think St Rock really always was, maybe when the crowds weren't there, but it was always a community club, you know, and I think really that's just been extended now because there's, there's that use of social media and you're able to reach out, you know. But I think we've been able to mix the communities a wee bit better now, Tom. When I went in, you still had this sort of mm-hmm. opposition for guys for Black Hill to get on guard, you know, and there was a wee bit of rivalry. Now they're friends, you know, and they're yeah. mixing together a lot more freely. I think, I think a first year tells us anything, you know, everybody needs to come together, you know, mm-hmm. there isn't any, any difference between somebody and one end of the house and another, you know. Mm-hmm. And, that's, that, and I think that proves that, that even this week with the joy of people, you know. Well, about yourself, Gordon, what do you think? Well, the changes have been remarkable, and all the work done round about the park, and the stuff in the dressing room, but the community stuff's amazing. 
know, in the homework class was was amazing. And the, the toy appeal. When I was going home for the park yesterday at three o'clock, Bermore Primary were coming out. And it's fantastic. Every child was walking out with a present. Absolutely amazing. Well, there was 93 kids on the, the roll for the right. Mullock Primary, right. and we were able to supply every one of them mm. with, with a gift. Yeah. For me, the, the sort of funniest one that we done was when the three girls, Erin, Ollie, and McKellar, were doing the on the ball thing, you know, which they attack period poverty. So I'd asked to meet them, and they had the best laugh of their life tormenting an old man talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting across, absolutely scarlet, and they realised they had a victim on the end of the <laughs> you know, so they really tortured me yeah, yeah. but no again a great initiative that these young girls started and we were the first junior club to get involved with that Aye. but a lot of the stuff you know the homework club young Michael Doherty when he sort of pitched that to me and Andy we had no idea what he meant to eventually get sort of tweets for Carol Vorderman and that you know comment and Stephen Fry so some of the things we're doing it's going to be a bit wider even in our own local community and like say yourself Paul involved with Party Thistle Charitable Trust I had a conversation with you and you sort of flippantly says to us I just watch to see what you are doing <laughs> <laughs> you know so it, it's great that other clubs are noticing and I think a few clubs are now joining in and doing it in their own communities mm-hmm. so that's a good testament to us mm-hmm. you must see some changes Paul from I- I don't think I don't think there's any doubt that uh, the, the future of kind of tier seven football upwards uh, will only will only be secured if clubs can demonstrate that connection with a local community. I, I think the days of it being solely a football club, I think they, those days are over. And and I, and I go back to the points that the guys made earlier about that. Fundamentally, that was the way St. Rocks was set up. Anyway, it was set up almost with charitable aims, and football was part of, part of the objective. But the charitable aims were every bit as important. And I think that we've rediscovered them again. I think for me, the, the clubs went through a kind of renaissance, probably about seven or eight years ago, which started, I think, on the pitch with Andy Cameron, and then you came along very much right at the same time, and have managed to. Uh, grow the club in a way where the community identity is is much stronger and and is every bit as impressive as whatever's going on on the pitch. You know, if the stuff going on the pitch is impressive, guys, you'll make that decision. Only when you're Right, so we're going to go on a wee bit, Gordon. We've a great part of Celtic history here, and that Gordon was at all three European finals. Well done. Yes. Gordon, I've seen the photograph of you in the heat of Lisbon. Yes. With the dress code of the day. <laughs> Could you tell me a wee bit? You're 23 years of age when you went to Lisbon. Lisbon, no, 22. 22. 22. You go to Lisbon. So we've all seen the game. Mm. So the bit that I'm curious about is the lead up to the game, obviously with the wrong dress sense. Aye. And the immediate aftermath of the game, you know, when everybody's attacking onto the pitch, what was your recollection of them? Well, see, going to Lisbon, I was totally unprepared. I'd never been abroad. I'd only been to Ireland twice and maybe to Blackpool for September weekend. I was totally unprepared, no dress-wise. I had a brown polar neck <laughs> and a jacket. And it, was, it, was, it was absolutely boiling. Totally unprepared for it. Yeah. And on the plane going to Lisbon, uh, Charlie Tully was on our plane, and we, and we went there. But when we got there, it was shocking my life, as I say, with the heat. 
Now, what was the build up to the game? Is it because now if you went to one of these games, everybody's in a big square and there's a lot of usually alcohol involved. What was the sort of mood in the city that day? Because it's probably you wouldn't have the same amount of Celtic fans as we no, no, there wasn't. We arrived there about 11, 11 o'clock in the morning, and we got at that time. A thing with Portugal was under a military dictatorship and we got a warning, 10 warnings by the travel company, what not to do telling us, the police don't patrol the army with guns and we got these warnings but we're allowed to walk about and <clears throat> we're walking about and we're told not, not to speak to him, of him they speak so don't speak to you that must have killed you <laughs> So we, we went, went and walked into the harbour, this big beautiful bridge, and we're standing here, this guy approached us, an open neck shirt, and he started talking to us, and we're all looking about, and just ready to say something, and he turned out as a Catholic priest, <laughs> so as, as well we just singing, and then <clears throat> we get, it was a mixture of excitement and fear because into Milan were a top top team. You were excited. This was unbelievable going to a European Cup final after experiencing snow for fifty-five to sixty. No, it was to, yep. to sixty-seven, and he went to the game and we won. It was, it was absolutely fantastic at the game. And after the game, we get the bus into the centre of Lisbon and we had a couple of hours to swear before the bus took us to the airport. And I had a Celtic scarf at the time. It was a it was a silk scarf, green with, yeah, with yeah. shamrocks on it. And we're five years for the Bermuda Celtic supporters club there. And we're walking about here. This disabled boy started following us about. He wanted my scarf and my badge. And he kept, for 20 minutes, he kept beside us. And my, my pals said, come on, game it. So I ended up, I gave it to him. And then my last, last memory is going home in the plane. The plane was absolutely bouncing. It was un- <laughs> the, the, the energy of the plane could have flew him itself. <laughs> but here, this guy, see, we were on the supporters bus for each game. We went home, the supporters bus, he didn't wear a bonnet. This guy goes in the plane with a bonnet. She said, What's that for? He said, The driver. He said, It's a pilot. He probably earns memory and himself put together. <laughs> so, so that was my memories of Lisbon. Was it brilliant, Gordon? Was it absolutely brilliant? Uh, absolutely brilliant. My only disappointment is see where everybody run on the park. Yes. I've never seen a cup getting presented. Of course. It was absolute chaos. Did, did many people see that, Gordon? A lot of people would have missed it. Because yeah. it was absolutely chaos. Me just made my way back to the bus to go back to the city centre. See, my, that's my only regret about it. The, the players didn't have a lap on her. That, that would have been out of this world. There's actually a side note to this story because I asked Gordon, when you get back in Glasgow, and you said you get back at like five in the morning or five in the morning. And it was at that night that Celtic came back to the European Cup. Oh. And I said, Did you go to Celtic Park? And he says, Aye. He says, But I went into George Square and met your sister. <laughs> 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 don't tell me, she don't wait up. <laughs> Right, Tam, I've seen the photograph of you, Gordon, your dad, in the Piazza del Duomo in Milan, oh. in front of the great cathedral. But you've got a really good story about the build-up to that game, haven't you? So the, so Would you the, like to share that with us? So the build-up to the story, we get to Milan. So the, the, one of the things my father said, he said, after Lisbon, he says to me, I'm only seven years of age, right? So you're getting a bit older, eight, nine, and he says to me one day, if we ever get to another European Cup final, I'll take you. The two of you will go together. So, of course, we get to Milan. So... 
pay up or shut up time. <laughs> and my father, for some reason, didn't go on a one-day trip. Decided he'd been a couple of nights, the night before the game, the night after, in Milan. So that's OK. And he decides, he makes inquiries, and we're going to fly to London, and from London to Milan. That's OK. Two nights, bed and breakfast. Then he thinks, well, I've got the money in the bank, but I'm not going to use that. What I'll do is I'll get a loan. So he goes to his bank, he tells them the story, and they refuse him. And he says, well, I'll put the money in the bank. They say, well, we're looking at loan. So he decides to use Provident Cheque, right? right? We'll just tell people who don't really know, Provident Cheque is a loan company. A loan who, company. Who would supply even checks to buy clothing, etc., but they would give you a cash yeah. loan as well. Yeah, and they send agents round the door. Now, that's completely stopped. You can do it through the bank now. But at one time, the these agents, you know, a man or a woman would come to your door on a Friday night and collect the money. And the way it worked was, if you borrowed £100, you paid back 150 It was truly money lending. Yeah. And another thing about Provident Cheque, was one of the biggest Backers are the British Conservative Party, one of the biggest. So this was up. We decided to go away. My father decided to go and get a provident check and get a load of this money. So that's okay, and it works out. You paid, you got a hundred pounds, and you paid it back at one fifty a week for two years, right? So that's okay, that's that, that's that. And sometimes on a Friday night, for whatever reason, Mrs Sharp wouldn't come to the door. I'd be sent up to her door, going up and pay the property check woman. Everything goes okay, gets £100, we go to Milan, and it's about a year later, and my father said to me, take that money up, go up there and pay Mrs Sharp for property check money. And she opened the door, and this close, and Corrie would join by my luck, and she says to this, 11 year old and you'll know be going to the European Cup final this year at which point I kind of thought it's really it's really nasty to this you know to me what have I done here you know and I, I just forgot about it I never went back to my father I never said anything and it comes about it's maybe about 1979 so we're like 8 years later and I'm standing in Bath Street on the first Saturday in July. We <laughs> 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 a bus stop, and along comes the, along comes the, <laughs> the orange walk, and who's right in the middle? It's my fish. I still laugh at you. I still laugh at a police can kill you. Carrying a rifle. That still makes me laugh. But I actually waited about 20 years later, and my father left at a good old age, and you know, so it's like, it's like the late 90s, you know, and we're talking away one night and I have to say, you know, do you remember that, the Provident Check story? And, ah, yeah, yeah, I said, uh, well, I told them about Mrs Sharp and how nasty she'd been the year, the year after, a season, of maybe 10 years after, a season, I found out the reason why she was nasty, <laughs> and uh, my father kind of blew up. Because if I'd have known that, I'd never have, you know, all this, you know. And, uh, I did laugh at that. Do you have any boyhood memories about being in Milan, Tam? Do you remember it? Well, well the one memory I remember, Brandy San Siro and uh, uh, Lawrence. the Lawrence. Oh, Lawrence. I've still got that in my head. Right. Oh, oh, see, when Gemmo scored, I said, that'll stop it. Didn't yeah. stop it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was unbelievable. The noise was. Remember the South Africa? They Even worse than that, wasn't it? Oh, wow. Non stop. Right for the start to the finish. Right. So, this is where I'm going to bring a wee bit of controversy into this. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end up arguing here. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a best Celtics at Rocks 11. Everybody has to be Scottish 
six Celtic, five St Rocks, you're allowed one Lisbon line, and you have to have seen them play, or in myself and Paul's case, played alongside them. So I'm going to start. I've kept mine to Glaswegians, all born within the city boundaries, which takes out Bobby Murdoch and guys like that. Everybody in my team has played junior as well. So my team's going to be Starkey, who's a goalie, Danny McGrain, who played for Mary Hill, Jerry Collins, who obviously played for St Rocks, Jim Brogan, the most decorated Celtic player with six league titles and played in the European Cup final in 70, played for St Rocks, Stevie Rankin, very, very dear friend of mine, and who's involved in the team just up to a couple of years ago. Midfield's going to be Kenny Dalglish, who played for Cumbernauld, my great friend Thomas Carberry, of Bird's Bar fame, he's in the middle, and Tommy Burns on the left in the midfield three who played for Mary Hill. Up front, my dear friend Shug Farrell. Stevie Chalmers, who scored the most important goal, who was born in the Garn Gad for Celtic, who scored the winner in Lisbon, and Frank McAvaney, who played for Johnson Borough. And the manager of my team is James Edward McGrory. So CVs can beat that, and if he's got any comments to make on that team. With the exception of McGrory, you've just picked your pals. Well, there is a bit of saying to make to Because I spoke to Shug yesterday, and him, Jerry, and Cad all actually played for a bit of season together at yes. the Rock. Uh-huh. So I've added then Tommy, who was a dear friend to them as well, and obviously you've got the connection with St Rock's, St Mary's, and St Alphonse's. They mm-hmm. four guys were off for the count. So mm-hmm. I've had to get them. Aye. The rest of them is all just my favourites. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think of that team, Gordon? Do you think you can beat that? Well, you want me to give you my team? You and Tam's team, you usually Tam. get a combined team This here. is a com- combined team, right? In goal would be Starkey. Uh, right back would be world-class Danny McGrain. And the twin centre-halves is my favourite rock player. I said this in a recent podcast, John Wallace. He played in the 1957 St. Rock's title-winning team. And he went to Rochdale. Beside him would be Jerry Collins. It's a 4 3 3. And that left back. So you're playing Jerry Collins in the left hand side of the defence? Defence, aye. He's a right back, and you've got to play the left hand side of the defence. We also played centre back for Hamilton Ackes. Not a lefty, didn't he? Hmm. That's a, that's, that's a favouritism, man. By the way, we let you have your team. <laughs> and the left back is of Jim Brogan, who played with both St. Rocks and Celtic. We've seen in the middle of the park would be Bobby Murdoch. I deliberated between Murdoch and Douglas and I went for Murdoch who was world class I reckon he was the best player in Lisbon right. beside him Paul McStay oh, 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 oh. Paul McStay right. so he's gone in there as well right. Aye, okay. aye. Mm-hmm. and then the other midfield player is the one that was surprised he played for St Rocks in 2003 was a guy called Alec Ede Mm-hmm. He was an outstanding player. He also played with Hamilton Ackes and I believe he played with Paul as well. Paul, you'll know him, didn't you? I, I played against Alec on a number of occasions, outstanding player. Outstanding player. player. And a front three, you to pick a Lisbon line man. Obviously no, 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 you've already got your Lisbon line. Don't be Murdoch. So I well, that's right. Oh, well, I've picked two. I made a mistake. I won each. Stevie Chalmers for the Garden Guide. It's amazing. Two guys for the Garden Guide. No, Stevie Chalmers scoring the winning goal in Lisbon, and Jimmy McGrory, the goal scoring record for Britain, came for the Garden yeah. Guide. And beside them, I'd play Hugh Farrell. 
and the left winger had play a, 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 a Frank Brogan in the 1960-61 season in half a season he scored 28 goals to the left wing and of two subs there'd be Stevie Ranton and a guy called Joe Ward who went for the Rock to Clyde to Aston Villa to Hibs an outstanding player and the manager Paul Kelly thank you very much so did you see all him playing Gordon on a regular basis? Yes, I did. Well, well what, what about guys, and I know this is your team, I'm only asking, what yeah. about guys like Tony McBride and that? Were they talents or were they just not consistent enough uh, or not there long enough? He wasn't there long enough. He only played, remember I told you, come, he only played two or three games and then disappeared and come back next season again. He, he played very, very few games. How close did, I know one of your favourite players, one of your favourite people is Michael Jimison. How Close to T coming in here. Yes, he was a brilliant player, Michael. It was, see, uh, deliberate, we both deliberated long and hard, but it was really, really difficult to leave players out. Michael Jimson was a fantastic. Because I, I went for a wee bit of sentiment in my team, aye, obviously, with the four Calvin guys, because you could have had Stan Rankin, aye, you could have had Pat Fagan, God rest him in the team, you know, who were every bit as good, the goalie wise, Wally Harvey, Big Heafy, you know, Haxman, you know, they're all really good, good players. And then get back Brian Wallace, who went for St. Rocks to Clyde. And when they played in the first division he's a mm-hmm. top class goalkeeper but Starsky to me is unbelievable this season I reckon we've got two really top class so, goalkeepers so if I had to pin you down Gordon who would be your favourite player out in a team could either be a Celtic player or a rock player who would be your favourite Obi Murdoch Obi Murdoch Aye. Was, good, he, good choice good, he, good choice he was, a, he was unbelievable the only reason I didn't put him in my team God is because people told me Rutherglen was the borough of Rutherglen uh, was actually yes, a tight that's right, that's right. <laughs> so I couldn't even put him in mm. right Paul what about yourself right uh, what's my team based on uh, it's a fairly modern team in terms of formation and I'll, I'll come back to that if that's ok uh, there's a wee bit of sentiment in it uh, but generally these are people that I think when I saw these guys play they were very, they were very much at the top of their game so in goal I've went for Andy Heafy for St Rocks I mean I've watched some great goalkeepers at Celtic Peter Latchford Big Packy guys like that uh, but I just Heafy gets it Heafy, Heafy makes it for me and I played in front of him so I knew how effective he was on the park nobody can ever I don't think anybody can ever uh, debate the situation with Danny McGrain at right back uh, because he clearly in his time when he played he was the best right back in the world and you know the predecessor the guys like Cafu and things like that you know he was doing it long before then <laughs> uh, a surprise I'm missing I must admit for the other two I'll put David Hay at number three uh, David Hay might be my favourite all time Celtic player yeah, although I was very young player. when I watched him and he moved to Chelsea and I, I, I kind of cried a bit when he <laughs> went to Chelsea you know but I, I vividly remember the 74 World Cup and things like that I loved the fact I loved his passion for the game and he always played the game on the edge, you know, he was getting booked and he's always in people's faces. But apart from that, he's tremendous ability as well, you know. And he was a quality street kid. <laughs> yeah, well. and he was a quality street mm-hmm. kid. So, I've, uh, at number five, I've opted for Pat Fagan. And I'm going to tell you the story. When I first, uh, Tommy Mulvey and John Dockett invited me into St Rocks when I was 15. I was still, I think I was just third year, fourth year at school. And when I arrived there, guys like Hugh Farrell, Chuck McLean these were the sorts of guys around the Rankin brother Steve and Stan Stan was a big moody guy you know Dalton's <laughs> exactly but Pat was a Pat was 
it was almost fierce in his in his kind of stature. Yep. It was almost fierce in his stature, but an incredibly gentle guy. <laughs> you know, it was incre- it was incredible because nobody in the dressing room guys like the two ranking brothers were very very fiery characters Chugs was always a guy for winding people up and things like that but nobody argued with Pat you know what I mean and I just remember that that's been been struck by the presence of this guy he was just such a such a big guy and the other thing was he always reminded me of the big wrestler on the Alfredo's in pit he looked like the big guy Pat Roach Pat Roach he looked like Pat Roach <laughs> so, so that's why he gets in my team because he made such an impact on me as a young, a young person. You know, uh, my midfield three is John Cox, who played in the team that won the league, uh, Paul McStay, and Robert Craig. And my view there is that Cox and Craig could take care of anything. They could take care of anything on the pitch. They were very, very physical, but technically had enough about them to, you know. Like you've missed a centre half, Paul. You've only put. I'll one come back to him. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've got a three in there, uh, which leaves me Jimmy Johnson playing whatever he wants to play in the wide areas, whatever he wants to play, uh, alongside Dixie Deans and Brian McClare. That's my three at the front. Uh, I think McClare for three seasons in a row Brian McClare was the top goal scorer at Celtic and every season they bought another striker (laughs) they bought another striker every season he was there he's a great fan Paul's a great fan of him oh is he really I I thought he was was an outstanding player for Celtic Uh, the only uh, the only reason Chuck Farrell doesn't get on the team is because he Brian McClare to be perfectly honest with you Farrell was one of the most outrageously talented footballers I've ever seen you know, and I remember, I remember when he when he was uh, East Kilbride and he won the Scottish Cup. I remember he played against a guy that played with me in the under eighteen setup, a guy called John McCabe, who was playing at left back uh, for Bayliss. I think it was. Yeah, played in the final. Good, good side, Bayliss. And I remember him collecting a ball right out in the lane, and I jumped up and I says, "He's going to drag, he's going to push it and drag it. He's going to push." And that's exactly what he done. He put it in. Big John put his leg in and surely drag, dragged it back because he used to do this at training all the time. It was an outrageous trick. He just showed you the ball and people put their legs in and he just dragged it back and went away for you. And I thought he's going to do the drag. He's got <laughs> and he done it. And then he played the ball across and the boy put the ball in it and they won the they won the cup. And but. At training, at training mostly with Shug, you saw some things that you never saw anywhere else. Nobody else could do them. Yeah. So I think that I think that that's a really strong team. Yeah. Uh, but they're missing a centre half. Yep. And I think the ideal foil for Pat Fagan, absolutely, was a guy Paul Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not picking a team like that and not put myself in it. I'm just still doing it. If Stevie keep me the manager, I don't care. <laughs> if they tend to come to play at the Rock, I'm playing with them. <laughs> <laughs> I think to be honest, Gordon, I think my ear feels like you have to go. Got a lot of danger in my team. Mm-hmm. Lacey McClare, Dixie Deans. I mean, what about that for a goal scoring record at Celtic? Dixie yeah. Deans. Incredible. What Incredible. was McClare's nickname? Chalky. 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 Aye. There was a kind of side issue regarding there about Dixie Deans and came back to Milan. Was was two years later we played we played in Milan and didn't Dixie Deans takes a penalty kick. We know what happens next. <laughs> and we're in the Gallagher and everybody's you're pretty down, you know. And I was obviously looking to another final and my father turned to me and says well no disrespect son he says but I've not played off Milan yet you know. <laughs> and then Mrs Sharp's not getting any money 
the rich and rich shit. You're to get that on yourself, Tom. <laughs> so as he's on over, we we're going to be one of the beneficiaries for Rock Talk from this fantastic weekend that Paul and the Axum team have done. So I was watching a wee thing the other day, and it was Tyson Fury, who's a world. WBC world champion and the title of his books Behind the Mask mm-hmm. so one of the first sessions we had that was a, a name or a word that kept coming up numerous times during that so just going to go back to it for an older generation Gordon what was your original thoughts when you heard we were going to try and set up something like this well I didn't didn't really know what to expect you know but I must admit it's been a the rock talk on a Sunday with the 18 guys that go regularly it's been an eye opener I didn't they didn't they realise about depression how it could affect people and listen to different people's story as I say it's been an eye opener I've got a new found respect for people that suffer for that and the rock talk's been absolutely brilliant you know God know the people who have felt without naming them. But, but I think the support network that's developed out of God, yeah. that's one of the most impressive yeah. things for me, you know, that they're willing to they drop your hat to go and help other people. Mm-hmm. They're not concentrating solely on themselves or going to be what they're going through. And a lot of the different, it's different issues for different people. Yeah. See, Scottish people, well, especially men, are terrible for sort of, you know, displaying the emotions that they don't, I mean, it's a done thing, isn't it? No, grow it, no, people my age, you would keep it to yourself. But now it's great that people are coming out and no, and they like to say rock talk on a Sunday, and they can, they can bring it out, and they can get that that help. Or you would get the old cliche when it give yourself a shake. Give, that's what I say. The doctor would say you give yourself a shake. No, man up, give yourself a give yourself a shake. It's been absolutely brilliant rock talk. So, so you've probably get the most experience professionally, Paul. You know, mm-hmm. maybe some training. So, how do you think it's developed for you when you first came in to where we are now? Yet? I think I would back up what, what, what Gordon said. I, I've, I've actually got a great deal of respect for the people that come along and are prepared to open up. I think that's really good. I think something that you find if you if you open up a, a, a program like like Rock Talk, it never ceases to amaze you the people that prepared to speak and also now speak openly about some of the challenges that they're feeling, you know. I think in our group there there were one you know, the group was instigated by one or two people who were clearly having some uh, difficulties managing their mental health. But since since we've kind of constituted a group and it's been going regularly the amount of other guys that have opened up about some of the challenges that they're having has been has been really happening. And and I think overall just this whole sense of support, you know. We, you know, for guys like myself, Stephen, yourself, this is our kind of world war that we're in at the moment. You know, this pandemic is is our world war. If you speak to parents and grandparents, they can remember the hardships of either being being involved, you know, not necessarily soldiers, but either being involved in the war in some respect or the aftermath. And and we're having that now. And, and who's to say that future world wars might be waged the way this one is currently being done? You know, and uh, good excuse to get ready to try, didn't they? <laughs> well, absolutely. Why not? It's, you know, this might be a, a, a whole different alternative but unf- but unfortunately it's created a lot of challenges for lots and lots of people in the last nine or ten months and if we were to, if, the interesting thing for me is if we were to obey the politicians over the last particularly in the six months lockdown if we were to obey the politicians at that time 
there was a the, we, we the the Garngad, the north of the city, north of the city of Glasgow would have lost a really really valuable support network. Yep. And that support network has been brilliant for the guys mm-hmm. turning up on a regular basis. Uh, I would I would stress that we that we we're not. Uh, we're not cavalier about how things are done. We want to we want to observe protocols and things like that. But fundamentally, uh, the message during the lockdown was don't meet with other people. Whereas we felt there there needed to be space for for people to come and talk, or just come and dig a hole. Yep. You know whatever it happened to be. So I think it's I think it's an absolutely I think it's completely and utterly underestimated the work that it's done so far. And I look forward to the work that it can do in the future. I, th- I just think it's a fantastic well, thing. You are talking about Trident there. Surely we've got to get rid of Trident now. The obscene money spent in that. And the virus brings literally the whole world to its knees. Yep. A virus. Yeah. No, I mean, it's affected the whole world. And the money they're spending, it's obscene. Yep. But do you think the benefits of the group are there? Well, I think especially that, especially this year the, under the circumstances. I mean, I, th- I think it's. Pro- I honestly think the rock chops probably saved people this year. Their mental health actually saved them. Uh, well, you know, you were you locked in, locked in for three months. Uh, you were allowed out for an hour, an hour a day for most a lot of people. Uh, and the rock, the rock was the rock was the rock talk was there when it did when it did open up. The first place I headed for was Jimmy McGrory Park, and you know even if it's just a cup of tea and a and a, sque- a, a rolling square sausage on a Sunday morning, it's just nice for folk even just to see friendly faces, you know. And nobody cares whether whether which, you know nobody cares whether you're whether you're rich or poor or you're sad or friendly. There's somebody there saying. Yeah, hey, you're one of us. Sit down and we've got a cup of tea and we'll... But do you, help, do, do you, you know? think a sports club, although we're a football club, do you think a sports club, because you've got that in common, is a good place to start? I because sometimes we go in time, you know, and we'll talk about the game the previous day, you know, and it gives you the wee icebreaker. And then yeah, you, yeah. you'll put I mean, in the wee question, how are you feeling today? You're correct. I also need to say here, St Rocks is slightly unique, you know. Even as community clubs, I think St Rocks is a wee bit unique regarding that. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of open and you're, it's a kind of well Welcome in place. I mean, anybody that's come through the door, and whether you're a total stranger, you're always going to get a lodge. You want a cup of tea and a can of ginger. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. So I think the Rocks is a. And actually, I've really thought, I thought Rock Talk was just a fantastic idea and the way it's worked through it. I just think it's a kind of, kind of genius, you know. And it's, it's a simple thing, isn't it? But you learn all the time, because a few weeks ago, really getting agitated about Shug the Shug's told everybody he's clinically depressed he wouldn't answer his phone and I was getting agitated because he wouldn't do it mm-hmm. and then two weeks ago he wasn't the president and I asked the group he's getting my nerves because he'll not answer the phone and some of the members of the group were able to explain why he was going to his bed because that was his safe place mm-hmm. so although I personally don't suffer from bad mental health mm-hmm. I was getting agitated because one of my friends mm-hmm. I thought was suffering and I couldn't help him. But the, I then learned an enormous amount for that. That's one of the great things for me. Because so many people who come along on a Sunday don't suffer from bad mental health. Mm-hmm. But members of their family do. Mm-hmm. Now they understand it and can take it home to help mm-hmm. them a wee bit better. Have you picked up anything like that? 
Well, I mean, definitely the garden this year. I mean, there must be, there's all sorts of things can make you, you know, have bad mental health. And we see it this year with unemployment coming in. We're seeing it where we're sitting, you know, a week before Christmas. There's, there's poverty. We're looking at the Royston Road corridor. Well, there is real poverty. Uh, and I think uh, Rock Chalk is obviously there. But certainly for us, uh, I, can I see some here? I think there's somebody like the Celtic manager who's stated that he's had problems with mental health problems in the past. Let's say something here. That's a man probably, compared to me, I'm in universal credit at the moment. Here's a man here that's, you know, he's a football manager, one of the, you know, biggest clubs, one of the big clubs. What what's he got to worry about? And the truth is, he's admitted that. He says, look, I get, I get depressed and, you know, and I think that's people opened it up. You know? But I don't think there's a stereotype term. I think that's sometimes what we get wrong. We have a stereotype of somebody that's who's correct. going to be depressed. That's correct. You could have every outward signs of wealth and success yes. and be badly depressed. That's you know, correct. and then again the new terminology, you're planning to complete suicide. You know, yeah, well, and when I yeah. asked the guy about it, why do you know say commit suicide? He because you commit a crime, you commit a sin. <coughs> a sin. You can't leave the people who are left behind. That's right. They're survivors of suicide, having that stigma right. that the, the son, their daughter, mm-hmm. their husband, their wife has done something wrong. That's right. So it's, it's all a learning curve for us. But I think yeah. we're learning quite a bit as we go along. But yeah. see, the, the great thing is the word, the mask. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a mask for different stages of the day. That's right. That's right. The good thing as well, no, recently people have been telling harrowing stories how bad they've been during the week and it, get, it gets really, really serious and heavy. And then ten minutes later somebody could say something and we're all rolling a bit laughing. No, the two sides it and you help them. No, the person that's had a really bad week, all of a sudden they come in and they're laughing as well. I think there's always help there, Gordon. Yeah. It's been having a place to go yeah. and open up. Sometimes just getting it off your chest yeah. can be a therapy in its own without any great magic wands or potions. But I think it's important just to talk to somebody and get the chance to get help. Is that your findings, Paul? Or is it? I think... <coughs> I'm going to speak for kind of West of Scotland man here because I'm a West of Scotland man. So for the East, the North and the South, if any of them have got uh, similarities, then... Great, but you know, typically, Gordon has said earlier in the, in the west of Scotland, what you were told in the past was just man up and go on with it. What also happened was, if you were the guy that was kind of feeling a wee bit depressed or a bit down or a bit off from the group, then the rest of the group mercilessly kind of had a go at you, you know, and people felt that was the way that you dealt with everything. And it's clearly been demonstrated over the years that that's not the way that you, you deal with Everton. But again, going back to Gordon, what we, what we haven't lost in the west of Scotland is we've not lost the ability to use some comedy, some humour to actually to help to help the situation for whoever it happens to be, whatever one or group of people that it happens to be. I certainly I, I concur completely with what Gordon says that we 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 can be dealing with some really, really quite harrowing situations in in, in Rock Talk on a Sunday morning and twenty minutes later everybody's rolling about having a bit of fun and laughing at a certain situation. I think a more important something that you touched on there, Stephen as well, more importantly is how we've managed to help people maintain relationships and and, and and mend relationships. That's been a real that's been a real eye opener for me. The amount of people that have come in and said, Look, 
my relationship at home has changed with my wife, my partner, my kids. I think that's been incredible. Yeah. I think that's been, and, and it's certainly not something that we set out to do, but it's been incredible to see the way that people being able to manage their, being allowed, being allowed to manage their mental health in a different way mm-hmm. has made them consider other aspects of their life and they went, oh, I need, to, I need to fix that or I need to change that, you know? So, so I think that's been amazing. We're just going to have to wind up, guys. Thank you so much for coming. But just one wee final thing, a party of quadruple treble centenary weekend. Mm-hmm. What's your predictions for tomorrow? I, th- I think Celtic won 2 nothing. Gordon? I think it'll be harder than we think. Yeah. I really worry about the referee, who the referee is the more I only need to go back last year to the Rangers game. What, what do you think? I think they'll 2-1 probably. Oh. We're so <laughs> I've kind of got 2-0 two, two Celtic in my mind, but I would caution that it's going to be tougher than we think it is. Mm-hmm. 1-0 for me. So one all that's left to say is a great thanks to Paul, Kelly and John for inviting us through and making us one of the beneficiaries. So thanks to everybody. God Thank bless you very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spanish. Leto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network.
It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.